Hello and welcome to Neurodiverse Noise. I'm here today with Shay. Would you like to say hello? Hello. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Is there anything you wanted to say to everyone before we got started with the questions? Uh, only thing I'll say is a think snow if you're a skier and let's go Mets if you're into baseball. Awesome. So um, what is your career? What do you want to tell everyone about your career? My career is Chief Technology Officer of Mentra. And Mentra is a neurodiverse employment network for folks who are neurodivergent to help folks find jobs, find meaningful careers, and close the employment gap where 80% of neurodivergent job seekers are either unemployed or underemployed in careers that don't make the most of their talents. So I've been CTO of Mentra for almost a year now, and I've been really excited to build up this product. We've got about 12,000 job seekers on our platform. We have, I want to say, 20 to 30 companies, and we're always bringing on more. And we're really trying to build up this platform in a way that allows us to meaningfully meet the needs of neurodivergent job seekers everywhere. And yeah. I'll also say that I am I am autistic CTO, and it's rare for neurodiverse folks to be leaders. So it's exciting for me to be the neurodivergent leader of a pretty uh, up and coming startup. Yeah, that is really exciting. That sounds really amazing. Um, what challenges did you face in starting this? I want to hear more about this. I did not start the business officially. I came. I became involved in Mentra a couple of months after it was founded. So this, the Mentra really took off in uh, 2019, 2020. My co-founder, um, her name is Julika Kumar. She was inspired to found Mentra by her older brother. His name is Vikram. Vikram is non-speaking autistic. And yet he, when, when, they, when Julika's family discovered that Vikram could communicate through a letter board or like an iPad, he was able to communicate using this letter board and he could write in seven languages. He could write brilliant poetry and was extremely brilliant and intellectual. He just couldn't speak in the way that you and I are speaking right now. And Jilika was inspired to create Mentra in large part due to wanting to create a world where Vikram could lead a meaningfully independent life using his talents and using his skills based on his support needs and based on what he is and is not able to do. Um, that was in like late 2019 and I came into Mentra officially early 2020, like right around the time that the pandemic kind of started. And I was a volunteer slash contractor in the beginning and it sort of ramped up and up and up more. And in March of 2022, we got our pre-seed investment from Sam Altman. Sam Altman, you might know his name from OpenAI, ChatGPT. Sam Altman was our first investor. And um, now it's been kind of off to the races for the last almost year or so. March will make it my first full year of Mentra as a full-time employee. That's really awesome. That's a really cool um, origin story for something that's so like so amazing to have out there in the world. Um, what do you feel is the biggest like accommodation that you notice in the workplace that like you wouldn't feel like they'd have at other workplaces, like working with Metra? First off, working for Mentra, I have the flexibility of being able to work remotely. Most of my team is based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I live, I have worked remotely since I started with Mentra. That might be changing in the future. Um, I'm I'm getting married at the end of this year. And after that, I might be moving. I will likely be moving. It's still not 100% decided yet, but I want to move. It's just a matter of logistics and figuring that out with my fiance, so my wife and all of that stuff. Um, 
but I think the biggest flexibility is having the ability to work from home and being able to sort of set my own hours, I would say. As a CTO, I work kind of untraditional hours. It's not a general nine to five. Some days I'll be up very early and I'll end the day late. Other days I'll have a shorter day where I don't start till midday and I leave early. It very much kind of depends on the day and what I'm facing and what my challenges are going to be. But for the most part, I'd say just the flexibility of my working day is something that is much harder to swing at a bigger company where you don't have that kind of influence, I would say. Yeah, that that sounds like it would be difficult, but I'm really glad that like you are able to work so flexibly. That is, this is such a cool concept. I had never would have thought of anything possible to like close the employment gap with neurodivergent folks. So like, I think it's really cool that like this is out there. It's a big deal. A big part of neurodivergent folks getting and seeking jobs is that so many of us are extremely talented, extremely, extremely bright and very passionate about the things that we're very knowledgeable about. And the problem that Mentra has seen and that I have experienced firsthand is that there are lots of employers out there, lots of companies who just don't know how to support neurodivergent people in the job process or once you're actually in a job, or they are simply ableist and just sort of apply a cookie cutter template to everybody. This applies to folks with disabilities more broadly, but my experience in the university and my firsthand experience tells me that a lot of employers just don't necessarily care about the needs and support structures for folks who think differently, for folks who experience the world differently, who act differently. It's just kind of not even considered in an interview, in a job, in something like that. And what we as mentor are trying to do is number one, solve the employment problem, and then also educate employers, educate companies on how to be more neuroinclusive and work with their employees much more meaningfully to provide them the support that they need to allow them to be the most successful person that they can be in those companies. So do you work in a specific like genre or field of work or do you just work all all of all across fields? What I'm trying to say is like if I were to go into Metra and I wanted to um be someone who wanted to get a job but I didn't want to work in a specific field, what fields is like are available? Right now, we're trying to keep it as broad as we can. That might be changing in the future. It, But one thing that we try very hard to do is to capitalize on the fact that neurodivergent folks have an extremely wide range of talents, interests, and skills. One thing that you might be familiar with is like lots of companies who have uh, neurodiversity hiring programs or autism hiring programs that they very kind of much lean into tech or software engineering or very like STEM heavy roles but it does not reflect the actual interests, the real interests, the real skills of our job seekers. They're not all in tech, they're not all software engineers. That is to say, a, fra a good fraction of them are software engineers, but it's not 100%, it's not even close to that. So we are very much trying to bring out a wider range of opportunities and jobs that are not solely in tech. And we are in beta, we are very much ramping up the jobs that we do have. So the direct answer to your question is we're trying to increase the breadth of jobs that we have. Right now, the types of industries or job categories that we have is more limited than we would like, but it is a problem that we're addressing basically every day, bringing in more employers who aren't just in tech, but maybe work in more creative fields, um, more financial fields, more business fields, more working with your hands fields, and then also blue collar jobs as well, things that are more uh, trades, 
things that are more in person, things that require don't require a college degree, trying to take advantage of the talents that folks have, especially from their untraditional backgrounds, especially because many folks are neurodivergent, might not have a four-year degree, they might not have finished high school. They There are a lot of things that they may or may not have, and we try to match those folks who are really talented with the right job opportunities based on what they what skills they have. That's really amazing. I actually looked into um, the website a little bit before um, before we got on, and I was wondering if maybe I could look into getting onto the site. But obviously, that's something that I would have to do on my own time and figure out. Um, like you know, I don't even know what I want to do with my life. I have such broad interests, but such narrow interests at the same time when it comes to careers that I just have no clue where to where to start even, honestly. Uh, a big part of what we try to do with Mentra is we offer office hours to our job seekers every one day of the week. Um, you can sign up for time to talk with myself or one of us from Mentra to talk about what's going on, about your career journey, about using the platform, about how do I talk to an employer. Like yesterday, I had a conversation with a senior software engineer who was just laid off, who is neurodivergent. And they were talking, asking me, like, how do I advocate for myself in an interview? How do, do I say I'm neurodivergent at all? And that was the focus of our conversation. So one thing that I think we do, because we, we we're in beta and we're still figuring this out, but also we're small enough to do this, where we have the ability and really the honor of meeting with job seekers to help them on a much more individual basis, whereas a lot of folks don't necessarily have a job coach. They don't have an advocate or a supporter to help them through this process. So even if it's only briefly, we have the uh, privilege of being able to meet with folks on at least a one-on-one -on -one basis to help them out with these things that they may not have anyone else to talk to outside of like a social network or something. That is really amazing. I, I feel like this is something that will really help a lot of people. That is, wow, I'm just kind of like shocked that there's something so great out there for neurodivergent folks who are trying to like find a career and have a meaningful like workplace life because I know a lot of people sacrifice like mental health for the sake of work and it doesn't always work well for neurodivergent folk with like burnout and all of the other possible outcomes. It's a big deal and if nothing else if even if we don't have the job that you're looking for what's cool about the mentor profile when, when you go through mentor you, you fill out our application, takes maybe five or 10 minutes, and then you have a mentor profile. And even if we don't have a job on our platform that matches your interests, you can still use your mentor profile on another job site, listed on your LinkedIn profile, listed on your resume, listed as part of the application, and say, this is me, this is my neurodiversity, and this is the support structure that I need to be successful at your company. And that sort of does a lot of the talking for you. Because a big thing that comes up with job seekers on our platform is, how do I, how much do I say about me being neurodivergent? My personal answer is you have to be careful about what you say, but you should say something because, and this is just an example, like you as, uh, you have your definition of neurodiversity, your lived experiences, also the experience of people that you meet with people in your life. And that is your definition of neurodiversity. But when you're interviewing, when someone is interviewing you, when someone's talking to you as part of the interview, they have their definition of neurodiversity because whatever they experience in their lives, if it's autism, ADHD, dyslexia, whatever, is a different experience. So if you just come in and say, I'm autistic and nothing else, it makes it really hard for them to support you because their definition of autism is very different from what yours is. So when you come into an interview or a conversation, 
you would have to say, I am autistic and this is what this means. I have sensory issues or I can sort of ramble or something else. But knowing your neurodiversity and being able to make it very clear to an employer allows them to advocate for you, makes it very easy for them to understand how they can support you. And then also it spells it very clearly. And if they are ableist and want to hire you, they will walk away and you have to deal with it and you dodge the bullet. Because if you do end up getting hired at a company that is ableist and then you're stuck there, that's a worse situation to be in than if you've never even gone through the trouble. Yeah, that is that is definitely something that I'm really glad um, you're working towards fixing an issue with like ableist employers and then like people having different definitions of neurodiversion. Like you said, that can cause like real issues. And that's just, that's really amazing. Like you said, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a big um, advancement in the way that we employ people this um this is amazing do you feel like you have had any personal experiences in a workplace that has been like ableist or just not accommodating i've had a mixture of experiences i've done a bunch of internships and jobs over the last couple of years some have been better than others i'm not going to name names i don't need to throw anyone under the bus but there's definitely been some experiences where i've been with an employer and it's partially it's it's being able in the sense of being unaware it's not that they're being intentionally discriminatory towards folks who are disabled or neurodivergent, but more that they're not aware of the fact that they have to be inclusive or they don't know what's going on. So when, I, and for honestly, for a lot of my time in my internships, I wasn't even aware of my own neurodiversity. I was just like, I'm just stuck with this basically. But recently within the last few years or so, since I've graduated and gone to a full-time job, I'm much more aware of my own needs, whatever I need to support myself, and also my weaknesses and my opportunity areas. And that has allowed me to more to educate my manager and my boss and say, hey, I am autistic and I need help with these things. And also don't give me a hard time if I do these things, just as an example. So I've had a mixture of experiences and I found that generally when I, when I am more of a self-advocate in those situations, it ends much better for me because then my manager, boss, whoever knows what to do to help me. And I'm not making it hard for them. They don't have to read between the lines. They only go off, they, they only have to go off of what I told them and they don't have to extrapolate or guess based off of incomplete information. And I would say that's consistent for anyone who's neurodivergent. The more you're able to tell them about yourself, the more successful you'll be. And those negative experiences that I had were when I wasn't aware that I, I had to, and I didn't know what to say. And I think that's circling back to um, Metra. I think that's a really important part of that is like not knowing what to say. And then the that being a resource for what to say, like you said, you can link it on your LinkedIn, you can link it on your resume. And then like, it kind of does some of the heavy lifting for you. And I think that's really amazing because I personally wouldn't know what to say if faced in a situation where I was supposed to like I haven't been in a full-time career at all yet I'm so young that I haven't even gotten out of college so it's just very it would be a very daunting thing to know what to say and what not to say and what to bring up and what to like all of that I think it's really cool that this is a resource that you might not have had but now other people in the future will have it's important to me and it's also fulfilling for me in the sense of I was pretty fortunate to have had a family, parents, siblings who went to hell and back for me when I was really young. I was I was early diagnosed, like super young. Um, I had IV, I had all the support going up in high school and middle school, elementary school, everything. 
And I'm really fortunate to have had those things happen to me and to have had the support structure that I needed. Because I recognize that the overwhelming majority of people don't have that support. They don't have the family members to support them. They don't have the IEP. They don't have the support network to fall back on or to just advocate for them when they needed it. So and they didn't even have like the peer mentors in their lives to support them or just to do real talk with them. Like I do big brothers, big sisters in my community. And my quote, little brother, not my genetic, but my little brother um, is also neurodivergent. And him and I talk about things that only really make sense between two neurodivergent people. And I'm the only person in his life who he gets that sort of like real talk from, not a therapist, not a clinician, the real talk. And mentra is an extension of my being a self-advocate and creating the world that I wish I had, not necessarily creating it for myself, but because I have the ability to make the world a better place. The way I see it is plant the tree for the sheet you will never enjoy. Will I ever end up having to use mentra myself? I hope not, but if I have to, at least it's there. But at least someone else like me in the future has the ability to use it and hopefully change their lives and the lives of their own world as well. That's the whole, that's the goal. Do you have any advice towards neurodivergent people that are like starting a career or like choosing a career specifically? In the, the biggest thing that I would say is first off, find something that's going to get you up in the morning. What's going to motivate you? What's going to excite you? What is going to really allow you to give it hundred percent to your day job, whatever it is. And that, that's the biggest thing that you have to start with. If you're not really eager to do it, if you're not excited about it, then it's going to be tough for you to like find the motivation to wake up in the morning and go do something. And then whenever you do show up, show up and be genuine and be honest. Like you should have the ability to unmask and be yourself and hopefully not put up a facade for the benefit of your employer. Ideally, you should be who you are and not who your employer necessarily is demanding you be not to say that like you shouldn't be the benefit of the beneficiary of professional growth and technical growth opportunities but you shouldn't change your personality you shouldn't put on a facade and like really alter who you are to benefit someone else well what i mean by that is talking about your neurodiversity talking about being yourself i think is really important whenever i talk about neurodiversity when I was at my previous employers, I used to work at Wayfair and HubSpot as a full-time employee. Whenever I talked about neurodiversity, people resonated with that. And it was a really helpful conversation for those folks to have because many of them, again, don't really have that much exposure to neurodiversity outside of their family and friends who they know. And hearing someone else talk about it very succinctly and just sort of hit the point home makes, it, makes them kind of think. So the more you can do to make those people think, to help them understand you better and their own worldview better is going to benefit you in the long run. That is definitely very good advice. And I'll definitely take that to heart because I've heard a lot of times from different people, like you should love your job, but then you also hear the whole, like you, you hear the whole societal expectation of your job should be like your life. And you get, it's a bit daunting because if your job is your life and you hate it, what if, what then? And I've, I've always found myself very scared of um, getting into a field that I like because I'm not really sure what I like, but um, definitely the motivating to get up in the morning is something that I've heard across the board is like something that you need that will motivate you and that you can truly enjoy. So 
I will say the social media has made it a little bit easier as well. Like my fiance is on social media and she listens to like a day in a life of uh, software engineer, business analyst, financial person, whatever. And those give you like kind of little windows into other people's opportunities. So if you are on the fence about what the heck do I want to do with my life, definitely look up those sorts of things on this internet, on social media to get a taste of what do you like about other things? What don't you like? And then also reaching out to people too. Like if you're on LinkedIn, message people on LinkedIn, if you're really interested in what they're doing. And if you don't have LinkedIn, like people in your own life, your friends and family who do these things that you think are kind of interesting and you're curious about it, just send them a message saying, hey, I saw you do this. I'd love to ask you some questions about it. And most people will generally be more than happy to answer some questions about it. I think no, no, one, have, no one has ever said no to me. They might be busy, but I've never said no. I seem to be out of questions. Do you have anything that you specifically wanted to bring up? Um, what would you say is like the biggest, what would you say is like your biggest block with your neurodiversity is? I'm curious, like, because my neurodiversity is very different from yours, I imagine. I'm autistic, but like speaking isn't a problem for me. I've done these things before, but I have like sensory things. So like going to a party, no. Going to a big loud environment, no. Like that's my neurodiversity, but how would you say you bring your neurodiversity to your life? I'm just curious. Um, definitely, I resonate a lot with you saying sensory um, being one of the biggest obstacles because I can barely be in a room with more than three people, even sometimes three people talking at the same time. And I get very stressed very easily. And I, what my biggest struggle is, I don't know my sensory needs necessarily. So I will go into a situation, think that I'll be totally sensory safe. I'm in safe clothes. I have an outlet. I have my headphones. I'll go into this environment thinking that I'll be totally fine. And then I'll end up very overstimulated and not able to recognize the signs before I'm at that like point of almost meltdown where I'm almost in tears. I need to get out of this right now. So I feel like my biggest struggle is just learning myself and learning my sensory needs at this moment in time because I was definitely not diagnosed young I was um just recently I've just recently started my figuring out journey honestly like the past three or so years I've been realizing oh shit I'm not neurotypical and then that slowly derailed into um oh autistic is the label that fits me got it not just like I've been told my whole life it was just teenage stuff or hormones so it's not just like any of this I am autistic so um I think my biggest thing is just learning myself right now and my biggest struggle is I am in a world that's built for neurotypicals so how do I figure out how I accommodate myself in this world I guess is kind of what my struggle is now so a combination of sensory needs and not knowing I guess what to do (laughs) there's a balance of that there's how much do you have to bend for the benefit of the world around you? And how much do you ask the world to bend for you? And when you are in a workplace, it's a little bit easier to ask your manager, this is how I do my work best. So the conversation I had last night, when I was, when they were asking me about like, what do I say? And my answer was, what do you need in your workplace to be the most productive, most effective person and to help reduce the cognitive load that you experience in a day job? So it's not just about your employer maximizing you as like a battery or a resource, but also about you like expending less energy, less mental effort to do your job. And if you're spending so much of your time really trying to tune out 
sensory problems or alter your environment in order to compromise that. If there's a solution out there your employer can provide that would solve the problem in one sweep and reduce the energy it takes for you to spend on that problem, then you should ask for that. It's not necessarily an advantage or a cheat code. People think of accommodations or these sort of success enablers as, a, as cheat codes, but they're not. They're meant to give you as equitable a, a workspace as everybody else and allow you to do work the same as everybody else, if not better. So I do think a big part of your struggles, and I've had many of the same ones, is just understanding yourself as well. And not to the point of intentionally being uncomfortable or having a meltdown, but just understanding your boundaries. So story time, when I was at school, uh, my freshman year roommate, I asked him to take me out to a frat party. I, this was a very intentional and very purposeful. I, need, I needed to know like, how bad is this? What's like, what's my ceiling? So he took me out to a frat party with a bunch of his friends and it was a terrible experience. But at least at that point, I knew that, okay, I can't do this. But the same night, completely, completely unplanned, his other friends were there saw I was not comfortable. They took me to a different frat party with a different kind of tone. And I was much happier there. And I was much more at ease. I'm like, okay, like I can do this. So calibrating myself based on like, here's what I can't do. Here's what I can do was a helpful experience. Unfortunately, I only needed to do that once. Now I just know I don't have to deal with it. But I will say that having the calibration experience was helpful, but I'm also not going to suggest you go out with these environments for the sole purpose of destroying yourself. That's not helpful for anybody. But understanding your limitations and knowing how to avoid them and also knowing how to work with them also makes it helpful. If you do have to go to a party like that in the future, um, what can you bring? What can you do beforehand to reduce the likelihood that you'll experience a lot of stress or a lot of issues going into it? And what can you do once you're there to sort of mitigate what's happening? Can you stay with someone? Can you talk with someone? Do you have a drink or food you can have or anything else? Like, what can you do about the experience to modify it for your benefit? Um, and that applies to a whole range of things. Parties are certainly one of them. But it doesn't have to be that. It can be a workplace. It can be your home. It can be your office. It can be somewhere you go to frequently. All those sorts of things. That is definitely very valuable advice because I have never really had anyone tell me to meet my sensory needs. Honestly, you only really hear that from neurodivergent act activists or not activists. Um, I can't think of the word. Advocates. Like Advocates, yes. Neurodivergent advocates. You only really hear that from people who are neurodivergent or advocate for those that are meet your sensory needs and like figure out what you need. Because I feel like the neurotypical world around us is just trying to tell us to get over it at times. So I feel like I rarely ever hear bring what you need to bring, mold the situation to you and instead of making yourself more palatable for the neurotypical person who's across from you or whatever. So I feel like that's really weird to hear, but also really nice to hear that there's people out there who are willing to say that kind of thing. It's important. Like if you need earplugs, go to a party, bring earplugs. If anybody gives you a hard time about it, it's their problem, not yours. Like don't make it about other people. Don't make it other people's problem, I would say. Like if someone is so obsessed about you wearing earplugs or headphones that you have to wear them, don't let them bother you. Like they just don't understand, they don't get it, but don't allow that feeling of being alienated to consume you. If you need headphones, if you need earplugs, or if you need sunglasses at night to 
exist in this space, then do that. Don't let don't let people rain on your parade. And I think that's just important advice for anybody as well. Like I, I'm fortunate to have the confidence to be able to do this sort of thing. Unfortunately, I don't need any of that 90% of the time. But there are times when like I have to go outside and get a fresh breath of fresh air if it's getting loud or smelly or whatever's going on. Sometimes I will want headphones on me just in case it gets very overwhelming. Um, so modifying the environment to your benefit is good for any situation. And if people give you a hard time about it, you can tell them to, you can ask them to ignore you. It's not their, it's not, it's not their business. Yeah, I, um, I appreciate that advice. I appreciate that mindset and it feels very relieving to hear that kind of thing. I feel like sometimes you just need someone to allow you to accommodate to yourself. Sometimes you just need the one person to tell you, hey, this, like you said, this is the other person's problem. If this bothers them so much, it's it's their issue. Yeah. And it's just a really important part of life. We, we live in a neurotypical world. So let's see what we can to make it more neuroinclusive. And then also create neuroinclusive spaces that are equitable for everybody from the get-go. Because there's like accessibility, which is modifying an environment to be accessible. There's, and then there's also universal design, which is what I was trying to say. Universal design is the world where you don't need to bring earplugs. You don't need to bring headphones. The space is just inclusive for you from the beginning and you don't have to modify it for your benefit. It should just work for you. And I think like if you're going to a party, like a silent disco is a good example of that. Silent disco is where you wear headphones and you party, like you set the volume, you set the speed, you set whatever you want to, it's up to you. And it's still a kind of crazy fun experience. My cousin just ran a silent disco and it was so much fun. And that's just an example of creating a universal space for everybody. Did you have anything closing statements you wanted to say? Um, last thing I'll sign off with is just remember to be yourself and remember to be genuine. Um, being neurodivergent is an interesting way to experience life. It doesn't have to be the, the end of the world. And I think it's also it's important to find those advocate supporters in your life who are going to advocate for you and support you. And if you don't have anybody who can do that, hit me up on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. I'm the only person with my name out there. If you Google me, you'll find me. So feel free to shoot me a note. I would more to be more than happy to talk with folks to help you and just like talk through things. I mean, if you need to talk to somebody who's autistic, come talk to me. Definitely. I will um, make sure to put your name in the description of the episode as well just to um, get your name out there. But I really appreciate talking to you today. I had a really good, informative conversation today. I hope it was good for you to, as I hope it was good for you as well. This was a blast. Thank you so much for having me today. I of really course. appreciate it. Yeah. Well, have a great night, day, afternoon, everyone. And I will see you next time. Yes.